This is Humans of Non-League, a podcast about the people who live and love football outside the spotlight. My name is Chris Nee, and this week's human is a stalwart of his local music scene, a Liberal Democrat councillor, and a dedicated supporter of his town's non-league football team. John Tolley is Kingston through and through, and he has a CV to prove it. John, welcome to the show. Hello, uh, thanks for having me. We'd better get right into it because you, you certainly keep yourself busy, so there's plenty to talk about. I'm going with the music first because it's as much a part of my life as football. So let's start with Banquet Records. How long has that been your bread and butter? So there's been a shop uh, at that site, which was Beggar's Banquet back in the day. Uh, and I started working there when I left university. Didn't really know what to do in my life. Thought I'd get a part-time job until something permanent came along. And uh, still there kind of 20 plus years later. We took it over as it was going bust about 15 years ago. And so it became my business 15 years ago. And that's... Uh, when it really was not just bread and butter, but a roof over my head. Literally, I lived at the shop for a while. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of a big part of me, certainly. So you have what you call an independent record store mm-hmm. and a label and a yeah. venue. I, I guess so. I've never really kind of tried to sort of step back ob- objectively on that because we we sort of just do what we do. Um, so to the uninitiated, we are a record shop, but we're also a concert promoter. And I guess we do punch above our weight with a kind of calibre of acts that comes through and, and and comes and plays Kingston for various reasons but a lot of the time to sell a lot more albums but sometimes just to do something fun something cool something small scale so it could be bands like um the 1975 and Bastille or it could be uh Nile Rogers and, and Brian Adams or it could be um I don't know Katie Tunstall and and Gabriel Aplin so there's there's all sorts of different artists who pass through but they all they all have one thing in common which is that they they're musicians and they want to promote themselves or their album or something and uh yeah we do that quite well it, it didn't always go well but uh like i say i've been doing it for a couple of decades now so we're at a point now where we sort of we know what we're doing and we're trusted which is nice what kinds of music are you into as a fan typically the stuff that uh i mean if i'm looking at my my albums and the year list from uh 2020 so that sports team i, I really enjoy them uh jerry cinnamon really fun but i think one thing when you're working in the world is that you you sort of enjoy the enjoyment that others get so you can you can really i can really enjoy the brian adams concert even though i don't really care for his music but you care that lots of people are having the the best time in that moment um and that's quite a that's quite a kind of common theme but i suppose those bands that i first started with uh 1975 and bastille when i just mentioned them they're kind of some favorites of recent years but there's also bands i grew up on face to face blur bands like that I say like that as if they're from the same world. They're not. But uh, there's, there's all sorts of things. And you'd expect someone who works in a record shop to have a, a, be exposed to a lot of different kind of bands. And I guess I have been. It probably goes without saying at this point that the live scene's taken a bit of a kick in. And I know I've missed it over the last year myself. How much planning are you putting into a return at this stage? I mean, it has, but we've tried to adapt. Um, I think independents are always, independent whatever, but independent music promoters are always uh able to adapt maybe a bit quicker than some bigger entities so we have done gigs um since march uh, we've done quite a number of social distance shows um with bands like everything everything and jamie cullum they're probably the biggest two that have played for us where you know it's it's a strange feeling but it's still live music and we've done a number of virtual events where the artist might be playing from their studio or in some cases the artist comes to the shop itself so it has the feel of an in-store, the artist returning to their roots, but it's just being broadcast live over whichever platform we use, 
often Zoom, but not not necessarily that. And you have to adapt. Um, at the moment, we're booking shows uh, for twenty twenty one, hoping they'll happen, but certainly not overly confident that they happen. That's just that's just the way the world is at the moment. But we can't kind of pause until it's all over, or there won't be any continuity. And bands need money, and artists that albums need promoting, and and we've got bills to pay as well. So we're we're going ahead as if there's some kind of return to normality in the summer, but I don't think it'll be as it was. Before we move on to politics and, and on to football as well, uh, you're a skateboarder. Are you? Is that is that tricks or transport? Both? <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, well, I tried to do tricks. Um, yeah, still very much. It's probably the, the sport that I still do, if it is a sport. I mean, it's the physical activity I still do. I love it. I think it's, re- it's probably the only time where I'm not thinking about work. It's the only time where I'm not looking at my phone. It's a really, it's a really great thing for the mind. And I, I love it. Uh, had a mini ramp at my wedding recently, and uh, that mini ramp now lives in the backyard of Banquet. So as I get busier and busier, I don't need to travel so far to go skateboarding. I can just go in the backyard and have a roll around there, which is a bit annoying when there's staff around and I need to pretend that I'm working hard too, but I, I get away with it. But yeah, uh, I, I utterly love it. And it's really fun that you can skate on your own or in a group of people, but certainly during lockdown, it's nice to have an activity where being on your own isn't a massive hindrance. Are you provided for locally? There is a, a skate park over the road, which is which is good fun as well. So, uh, well, not over the road, but uh, over the bridge in Kingston. And it's, a, it's something that we will probably touch on later, but there is like a real sense of community amongst the skateboarders, amongst the music scene. And I do think amongst the non-league football crowd that I ended up with, I couldn't tell you which one came first or which one I love the most, but it is the sense of community and the sense of being a part of something, which is why I love those things. You've been on Kingston Council since 2015? That's right. Um, yeah, of course, six years now. Yeah, that's right. So what took you into politics? Um, at the time, it was a, an immediate reaction to uh, the kind of the, the, the music scene about venues closing uh, and, and just a kind of, no, I'm going to fight for the young people, thinking that someone in, my 30, in, their, in their 30s was young, but actually it is quite young for local politics, but actually you're not the teenagers you're not the young people just to try and be a voice for local people a bit bit upset with uh, the council as was and uh th- th- there was talk about the main venue that we were using at the time being closed and the council didn't really seem to care that that was happening and i wanted to make sure that people cared and then i ran as an independent initially and then on the day of the 2015 general election when the kingston was a, a lib dem tory area kingston went from lib dem to tory the council was tory the government was tory and i was like no, I'm going to join the Lib Dems. And then six weeks later, there was a by-election and I ran for them and uh, got in, in in a bit of a landslide. But I don't think that was down to me. I think that was just down to the national scene at that time. But yeah, I started off that. But then actually your eyes get opened to lots of things that you didn't necessarily know about. I mean, I'm quite a, I'm a privileged person who's doing all right. You don't necessarily see the deprivation, which is a few roads down. You know, you don't actually understand how much money and problems there are in social care and how how you have to prioritize your spending how much we should worry about building in this area or this area and you get exposed to things and i just want to try and be a kind of uh, a vehicle to get people's views from one place to another whether or not i get to make the call is something else does becoming a counselor in that way give you a particular area of responsibility either geographically or subject wise so geographically uh, yes it you they divide the borough into 16 and I'm in the area that I work and live in. Um, it means it's not far to go, but it's the area that I probably know most about. And then 
the the time that we took over the council so that was 2018 i think yeah i became a portfolio holder which is basically the local version of being a, a cabinet person where you had extra responsibility and i did that for a year and it was hard <laughs> just the the amount of time it took the actual the actual kind of decisions and the the sort of technical level isn't too hard it's just the amount of time that you need to give up so i gave it up after a year and i'm a i'm a backbencher now so uh, i get to i get to jump in on the things that particularly matter but the rest of the time i can look after my business and my new baby i have a three-month-old baby congratulations thanks it's uh, quite a culture shock yeah i bet it is so when you're doing council work would you describe that as cross-party collaborative or is it adversarial like it would be I, in, it depends what it is I, I i found that when uh, it's quite a radical difference between this term and last term and and in the last term my my party the lib dems were the opposition against a a, a conservative administration who were bigger than us but not massively so there was an opportunity there to 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 work with and try and influence policy to steer it to the way that you would want and that, and that and that way it was sometimes that cross-party stuff did get done in where we are at the moment we have such a big majority that i worry that we're not listening to the opposition as much as we would have done if the majority was was smaller i do think that i didn't used to think this but i do think now that everyone who gives up their time as a councillor is motivated for the right reasons and the people that i used to think all oh, the the nasty bastard tories I don't think that now. I think that they have a different view of trying to get to the same place, but they don't do it in a way that I think is the most logical way to get there. I think it's it, I think it's that. So it's a difference. It, we all want to go to the same place, and we have different ideas about the best way of getting there. That's that's my firm view. So there are, there are kind of cross party things, but literally in the whole of the Kingston Kingston Town Centre numbers, where there's twelve councillors, ten are Lib Dems, so. It, there isn't really the opportunity to work cross party as much, but obviously I don't want to ever turn down the input from anyone who's got valid things to to say and do. And what I think I bring to the council, other people do too. I, I might bring the view of a football fan, of a, a, a young music fan uh, and what have you. I don't necessarily know the, the views of people who are caring for kids with special special educational needs for example so you have to listen to these to make your decision better and we're all advocates for various people whatever whatever groups they are let's go on to the big one then the football it seems like a question that should be dealt with mostly on the pitch but at the moment it's not how are kingstonian doing it's a bit of a a bit of a limbo thing at the moment uh i think we'll we'll probably talk about this more but you know the, the season starts and stops and gets expunged and there's uh good signs or something positive and then there's a, is the cup run? oh no we're going to go on hold and things get postponed so this season we don't even know when this will go out but i mean who knows what's happening probably probably going to get pulled generally we're just in a bit of a, a sort of no man's land i still think that kingston are maybe a sleeping giant but certainly certainly something bigger than what we are at the moment we're definitely below where we should be i think our natural level is the league above and playing sort of second fiddle at, at, at Corinthian Casuals ground at the moment is a it's not where K's should be I think um so yeah season by season who knows let's have a run we should we should fight for promotion playoff places but um as this decade goes I, I hope that we we get to make decisions that are for the good of the club for what will be for decades to continue 
When did you start going to matches there? So as a school kid, I lived in Chessington, which is uh, on the edge of the borough, but in the borough. And I didn't really know anything else. And I, I just supported the, the team on TV who wore red. So I supported Man United like a lot of London people do for no good reason. Uh, and, and then it was only when my eyes were open to, I think there was like a, it's, it's Kingstonian versus Peterborough, which was in mm. 92, which got on the local news and uh, oh there's a fo- football club down the road what is this kind of thing you know that and then you get and this is why cut runs are so important because without that game I don't know when I would have been exposed to Kingston and that's when I started going regularly and I met people there who I still stand next to decades later so 92 was the first uh, game which was Kingston in Peterborough and then you sort of fell in love with this whole kind of it's not like on the TV it's it's so real and then you do get you I found some friends who wanted to go regularly and you fall in love with with that same thing that attracts me to independent music, which attracts me to independent businesses. It's just that sense of culture and belonging and the feeling that what you do matters and your influence can make a, a difference to people. And in fact, even when you're when you're on the terrace, you singing or not, <laughs> is is that might be a certain percentage of the people that are singing at that time. So it feels like you're contributing and worthwhile and uh the people that I, I stand with are amongst my best friends. You clearly like to get involved. Have you got an official role at the club at the moment? No, not at all. So I, I used to do more than, well, I used to do considerably more than I do at the moment. So I, 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 we used to banquet sponsored Kingstonian for 10 seasons on and off. Uh, so that was when I was, I, I guess I was club sponsor. Um, I used to help with the interviews and various things like that. But as, as work and as work got busy and particularly as I, became a counsellor and then sometimes you had to miss games because you had to go to council meetings and stuff like that I couldn't uh, commit I had to choose one or the other so I chose the council life for that one uh, sneaking out and getting sometimes getting to matches at half time when the council uh, council meeting had ended you just get to enjoy it then uh, yeah I'm, well as much as you can enjoy Kingston in, in this decade <laughs> did you ever play John uh, I, I, I kick a ball you know I remember uh, not to not to any not to any decent level no I'd like to I'd like to pretend that I was better than I am um, I'm, I'm just hitting my 40s now and uh, running is a uh, quite a quite a, a, a strange feeling don't do it enough so you've touched on this already what is it that makes non-league football special it's that sense of independence right I think it's community and I think that all the things that attract me to anything are about the community. And I touched on it earlier, but, you know, with the independent music world, you feel like you're a part of something. You feel like what you do matters. And with Kingstonian, it does feel like it's Kingston's club, that if you go, it matters, that it might matter financially. It might matter to audibly to the players uh, and it will matter to the people that you go with, uh, your friends. It does. It doesn't seem like you're just a a statistic or a revenue stream it feels like you're you're contributing so to and uh yeah i think that's kind of the thing that really kind of makes makes you feel like you're not just a fan but uh you're involved you're part of the club as a as a teenager going to kingston like you're welcomed by the older generation and i'd like to think that we try and do that now to the kids that are coming through it's a bit of a hotbed of local football down there. I used to go go and watch Tooting and Mitcham quite a lot, and the rivalries there are manifold, aren't they? And there's a lot going on. It's it's quite a rich area for football. It is. Uh, as a crow flies, there's a, a lot of clubs, not just uh, at this level, but obviously you've got quite a lot of uh, established Premier League and league clubs nearby. Uh, there was a time when Kingstonian, when we were playing at Kings Meadow, uh, was Chelsea, Chelsea reserves were playing there, so and there was a lot of. Chelsea, Kingstonian crossover, Fulham's nearby, Brentford's nearby. But the non-league clubs, um, 
you're looking at well obviously corinthian casuals where we ground share at the moment but uh there's 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 plenty all within a sort of five five ten mile radius which is quite good as a as a bit of a, a groundhopper from time to time but as to try and sort of establish yourself and, and make sure you've got a real local area of fans there's a lot of lot of other places for people to go uh, hampton and richmond just down the road it's at the moment it's a better product it's a better atmosphere better quality of football and so we're competing with that which is and we're competing with objectively a, an inferior level where i feel that that's the level that we should naturally be at it's, it's frustrating let's deal with the king's meadow situation then so do people who've been paying attention will know that kingstonian story of late has been intertwined with that of afc wimbledon and that of the chelsea women's team which has led ultimately to to case play at, at tolworth at corinthian casuals when did the wimbledon ground share tip over into king's meadow slipping away it's quite hard to talk about this without getting your words wrong and without getting your sentiment coming across wrong. I think every K's fan and every fan across the country would notice that what happened to Wimbledon and then turning into AFC Wimbledon was a, was a tragedy. It was disgraceful and shouldn't have happened. AFC Wimbledon or the Wimbledon fans who turned into AFC Wimbledon fans were obviously wronged. The end, full stop, that, that's it. Then the situation that they ended up in ultimately led to the demise of Kingstonian. And that, that, that's a fact. Now, you could argue that they did what they had to do, or you could argue that, as some people do, that they went too far. But the MK Dons moving to, well, Wimbledon moving to MK Dons and the creation of that entity, ultimately, Wimbledon are now playing at Plough Lane, their home, their spiritual home. Kingstonian are now playing in Tolworth with no way to get back. That's the frustration. Uh, that isn't what you asked, but that, that's the frustration. The chronology would be that um, Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon were homeless, ended up ground sharing with Kingstonian. Our, our ruthless then owner did a deal with Wimbledon, which Wimbledon took advantage of our unscrupulous chairman at the same time as being screwed over by their old unscrupulous chairman. Uh, so sold the ground to Wimbledon. And at that point, it was only a matter of time until we ended up where we are now, which is that Chelsea women own the ground and there's, as far as we know, uh, no desire to welcome Kingstonian back into Kingston town. I am probably in the minority, but I absolutely 100% believe that Kingstonian's biggest asset is that we are Kingston town's football club, not necessarily the borough's football club. I mean, we are the borough's football club too, but I think we walk out of Kingston town and that is our biggest asset. And if we put into the press that it's in the best interest of Kingstonian to leave the town as we did i think that's a i think that's something that's going to be hard to recover from and this is a product of wimbledon's progression isn't it so they get into a level where king's meadow wasn't enough and as the owners they had an action they could take that's right but they got in it wasn't enough having rebuilt it and made it bigger and bigger so yeah. when we were we were then ground sharing with wimbledon as opposed to them ground sharing with us so they wimbledon owned the ground and we were the tenants uh, it, it just was really big and we were rattling around in a kind of 4,000 cap stadium where, where we were getting crowds of about 300, 400. And at that time, like when I started going to K's, we were sometimes getting 2,000 crowds, but typically it was always over 1,000. That was because Kingstonian was the only real non-league club to go and watch. Hampton weren't as, uh, as, as, as big a club. Critical Casuals certainly weren't. Kingstonian was the club you went to go to watch if you wanted to go and watch local football. It's very hard to promote Kingstonian when there's a league club in the same ground, which have all this like fairy tale romance around. Like, you know, 
the story of AFC Wimbledon rising from the ashes is a really good one. It's just it ended up really taken away uh, from the Kingstonian future supporters. If you were like a when I turned in when I was a teenager going to Kingstonian for the first time, that was really exciting. But if you were the teenager now being offered the choice of Wimbledon or Kingstonian, you would go to Wimbledon. And so we haven't had so much of this new fan base. We don't have a ground, we don't have revenue streams, and it's just a, a sort of a downward spiral from there. So I find it really frustrating that whilst Wimbledon were absolutely wronged, it's my football club. I'm not going to support another one, do you know what I mean? This is my club. It's my football club, which has ended up paying the sacrifice for what happened with MK Dons, whilst absolutely admitting that the Wimbledon fans were the greater wronged at that time. It must be difficult to take that it's such a similar situation. The reasons might be different, but ultimately you've got a town's football club not in the town. I mean, yes, and I and I 100% think that we are the town's football club. And and it depends where you sit with that. And it, and some of the confusion, I, I think, is because we're called Kingstonian and our borough is named Kingston, Royal Borough of Kingston-upon-Thames. So we're, we're Kingston. Other non-league football clubs don't have that borough association so everyone can just say that oh you're the you're the maybe Bromley does but that's probably mm. probably about it you're the you're the borough's football club but I think we're the, we're the town's football club and I think that we should do everything we can to uh, stay in Kingston town or the the immediate vicinity of it the neighborhood if you will I think that Tolworth is going to be nothing against Tolworth but I think it's 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 a decision we've made which I don't think we needed to make and uh, I find that quite frustrating uh, and and I guess that since Case has moved to, uh, temporarily moved to Quinn for Casual, they're still my team, I support them, I, I go and watch them, but I do feel less connected to my local team because I, I live in the middle of Kingston. Although, ironically, when I was growing up, I lived around the corner from Corinthian Casuals, but uh, there you go. It must be challenging to put a stadium in a town. So as a, not necessarily as a local councillor, but with the knowledge of a, a local councillor, what are the prospects of, of finding that kind of land? Um, in the in a town in Kingston Town, there's very little that can happen apart from Kings Meadow, and it's my belief that that should still be the number one route. Kings Meadow is now owned by Chelsea Women. Of course, we don't know if that will be forever. We don't know how the women's game will 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 go. Obviously, it's on the rise. It might be that women's team has to share with the men's team. That could be a thing that happens. It might be that the money falls out of it and that, that's the thing that happens. But significantly, I think the um, athletic stadium, which is owned by the council, I think that's a place that Kingstonians should be looking to play at. And we had the ridiculous situation recently where we were told that you couldn't fit a football pitch inside an athletics track, which clearly you can. Uh, Enfield Town would 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 show that a Dynamo Kiev. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, uh, even in our level, Enfield Town do it, and they do it well. You got the the um, you got the, the the terracing inside the athletics track, and and I think that I think that's a shame because, like I say, I I really believe that being Kingston Town's football club matters. If you don't think that, then I can see why moving elsewhere where land is cheaper and having trying to build some kind of permanent ground somewhere else, which where which we own and you can get revenue streams and. 3G pitch and having kids hiring the place for youth events and stuff is is important. But I I, I think we should have exhausted the athletic stadium possibility first, not least because there's a there's a big new housing development literally on that on the doorstep of of Kings Meadow. There would be money from the council to spend on making this community hub kind of kind of like a tooting setup 
exist and I think that's a I think that's a real waste and I'm frustrated by that but you know I don't run the club uh, I just pay my money on the gate and so I don't I don't run it and, and as I've, I've run my business for 20 years where I get to decide I don't get to decide on this so I, I accept that I'm not making the call there and I just have to uh, go and uh, get frustrated and sing uh, sing some football songs. Notwithstanding the original transfer of the stadium over to, to AFC Wimbledon, is, it, is there anything that Kingstonian could have done differently in terms of the pro- progression from Kings Meadow to Leatherhead and on to Corinthian Casuals? I don't know is the short answer. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't really involved in that. Just you hear what you hear as a football fan. The options given to us at that time, I think we, we were talking about sharing at Hampton or Corinthian Casuals or Met Police or Leatherhead. Um, none of those are ideal for me. Leatherhead sounded like it was a, a good deal financially and uh, they seemed to be wanting us. So, I, but that that was, I mean, you can't get people, Leatherhead was too far. Yeah. Uh, as, as, a, as a bed sheet at the stadium famously said, uh, Leatherhead is too far for an indefinite period. And at the time it was indefinite and we didn't know what was going on. That was quite a bleak time. And Corinthian Casuals is significantly better than that. It's a bus ride, you know, it's in the borough. It's, it's, it, it isn't a, a half an hour journey, but... Um, I don't know what could have been done better. It's just it was just rubbish. It's it's just rubbish when you have your local. I used to walk or cycle to the ground, and now it's a now it's a car ride, and it's it's stuff like that. It's just I don't know what could have been done better. We are where we are. It's frustrating. I think we can go back to Kingston Town, and uh, I think that the future is around Kings Meadow. In the meantime, we just got to try and hope that there's got to make sure the club doesn't fall away forever, and and that, that we are when when we're on the terrace, you, you talk about. The big games and they're they're seemingly like the, the trophy wins of ninety nine and two thousand. That's like so long ago now. And we've we've won the the turvy. We had promotion from Roman One South to Roman Premier. These aren't these aren't where our football club should be. And as much as I talk about enjoying the independence and the community, I just I would enjoy the atmosphere of being <laughs> a league above and where I think we should be. If I had to pin you down to a favourite K's team of all time, those teams of. 20 odd years ago must be pretty close uh, yeah and and I think when the the promotion from going into the conference and, and that was a time when I was going to nearly every game and it was exciting and I hadn't been hadn't been jaded by all the all the stuff that happened since I guess that that was the time um when it was special and and it was the you know and it, it coincided with with going out having your first beer like that, that kind of, what, what a time to be alive I don't drink now. I wouldn't wouldn't uh, <laughs> wouldn't be going out on the beers now. Yeah, I, there was a magical time when everything was going great, and there was some uh, some big away days. At the first season in the conference, I think that the, the trophy finals, as important as they are and as prestigious as they are, it's, you know, everyone knows that the league is probably the priority. Have volunteers and people like that followed the club down the road, or has there been a falling away of any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as open as I can. I think I'm in the minority that thinks uh, Kingston Town is the important thing, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, fans from the south of the borough who probably prefer to be at Corinthian Casuals. The volunteers are still involved as much as I can tell. Uh, the directors uh, who picked up the club from the floor have done a great job. I don't, I don't, uh, I think they've. You know, they put their money and their time and their, their emotion into it. There's a, there's a, it's a good team. It's just we all seem to be, these volunteers could also do something with a crowd of 800 people. They'd be giving up the same amount of time. And we just should have our own ground. It's just, it's not sustainable where we are at the moment. I mean, nothing's sustainable in, in COVID times. But, you know, if, if it was normal times and we were, we, we should just, we need to have revenue streams just to 
function and survive really rather than just pay the rent i'm going to push you on the two things coming together then if you had the choice of having your own stadium elsewhere in the borough would that mm. be an acceptable compromise for you i i, I think that's that's plan a for the club uh, i don't think that's any any secret i would personally rather have the town center at Sutton United don't own their own ground, as, as far as I'm aware, that the council owns that. I think if you have the council as the landlord, that's a completely different thing yeah. than having a private property developer as a landlord who could boot you out. You know, you see, saw, saw the trouble with, with Dulwich or what have you, but uh, I would prefer some sort of joint arrangement with the council, having a stable landlord who won't boot you out. And 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 then the thing that excites me about Norley Football, about the community thing, we would be more involved in the community. If that was the Kingston Town area where the Kingston school kids were going, if they were doing their games lessons on a Wednesday afternoon in that area, then they would know what the football club is and know what the facilities are. And for me, uh, I'd prefer to be in Kingston paying rent. Uh, but for I'd I'd say probably I'd guess eighty percent of K's fans they want their own ground somewhere in the borough. Um, so I I accept I'm in the minority. Are you missing it, John? Uh, yes. Although, like I say, I just had a baby, so it's it's a good time. <laughs> I, the last game I think K's was the last ever semi-pro level match to happen before the second lockdown <laughs> but that's that's not much for claim uh but I, I went to that having a probably a 10 day old baby at that point just because i thought that was the last time i was going to see my football friends uh, and it was uh, I, as much as they annoy me all the time on whatsapp i, I quite like seeing him in, in real life especially ali he's a, a unique guy finally john what's on the horizon for you and for banquet records i don't know and i don't think anyone i think anyone who who says that they know what the answer to that is probably lying in, in 2021. Well, no one knows what's going on around the corner. I don't even know if we're going to be able to go to football matches and not wear masks. I was hearing that on the news. When this goes out, maybe we'll know by then. I think the whole world might might be radically different. Um, I haven't seen my mum in a year. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I love non-league football and, and I love Kingstonian and I love the whole weirdness and kookiness of it all. It's an escape from this the rest of the stuff that we're dealing with at the moment and i guess that we'll deal with the rest of the stuff and when we've come through and we're back at k's it won't just be that we're back at k's it's that the the world will be in a better place so i look forward to not only the boys behind the goal but also to to being able to breathe and have a bit of headspace and not be worried about who you're walking past just in case they breathe on you like what, what a nightmare but um yeah i i i'll be going to the football matches until i can no longer walk and probably after that. So you'll be bringing through the next generation then? Well, I hope so. Uh, not, not, enough, not enough young girls at football matches, so I can, I can, bring, I can bring mine as the, uh, as the new generation. Excellent. Good place to leave it. John, it's been an absolute pleasure. Tell us where we can find you on the social medias. Um, John Tolly tweets on Twitter is probably the place I'm at the most, but uh, otherwise I'll be doing dancing on Banker Records TikTok. You can have a look at that too. <laughs> Lovely stuff. If you've enjoyed meeting John, there's plenty more where that came from. Don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Humans of Non-League is a Sphinx Football production. Thank you for listening.